it's really important to have, I call a picket fence of people that you can go to that are not your partner. I think that helps a lot. So you're not solely relying on them and then pushing yourself to, to go out and do things on your own. This is the Alchemized Life Podcast, and I am your host, Ava Johanna. Transformational mentor, speaker, teacher, and most importantly, a woman on a mission to bring wellness to the world. This podcast was created to bridge the gap for anyone craving more love, health, and happiness in each and every day. And with every episode, you will receive practical guidance to create magic in your own life. Combining the expertise of wellness visionaries and thought leaders, each week we will bring it back to basics and provide you with the tools meant to empower you to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So together, let's ditch the mean girl, you can't sit with us vibes, grab your favorite yoga pants, and start to find your uniquely alchemized life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Alchemized Life podcast. I am recording this only a week before it's released, which I'm super excited because we get to talk super timely, but we have a great episode today with Kendra Allen. And Kendra and I met at Camp Conscious in, gosh, October in Mexico. And I just connected to Kendra immediately. Her vibe and her energy and her light is just so pure. And it actually wasn't about breakups at all, but that's what we're going to be talking about today, which I'm so excited to dive into because I know that there are so many women navigating breakups. Um, And for those of you that have never heard of Kendra, get ready because we're going to talk about so many different ways to move through breakups with healthy boundaries, having the strength to be able to walk away, what it means to receive closure from your partner, and also how to really stay rooted in your worth. And so Kendra is the woman behind the Instagram account, online course, and blog, Breakup Bestie. After going through a series of unhealthy relationships in her early 20s, including narcissism, abuse, and emotional unavailability... That sounds so familiar to me. (laughs) Kendra began gathering tools and working on herself to prevent that from happening again. Around the same time, Kendra got sober at 21 years old. And a few years into that, she experienced the breakup that really brought her to her knees. You know, the kind where you feel like you might actually be dying. I have been there and done that multiple times. And I'm sure those of you listening have experienced that as well and are nodding your heads. Without having alcohol to take the edge off, she really dove into what it takes to go through a breakup with grace, with growth, and learn how to come out on the other side a better person. After seeing a huge gap in breakup advice online, Kendra decided to launch Breakup Bestie the same year she got married to the love of her life. And now she is more radiant than ever. And more than anything, she loves empowering women to see a breakup not as an end, but actually as a beginning to a beautiful path to learn about yourself and to get in touch with what you really want out of a relationship. And so for me, I finished Eat, Pray, Love while I was traveling throughout Australia. I just watched the movie last night. And so it really is so timely to have like a, a conversation on this topic. And so for those of you listening, if you are inspired to make sure to share this episode on your Instagram, tagging The Alchemized Life at The Alchemized Life and tagging Kendra at Your Breakup Bestie. So without further ado, Kendra, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. And I agree with everything you said about me. You are such a light and instantly connected with you. So, so excited to continue our conversation on here. Yes. And like I said, like I just, well, last night I watched Eat, Pray, Love with Julia Roberts. It was not as good as the book. I'm not sure if you've read it, but she goes through a year of traveling and finding herself in self-discovery. She is celibate. I think she drinks wine throughout the experience, but 
she's just declared celibacy to go through this entire year on her own. And it was just so beautiful to watch these revelations and this growth that she was going through throughout the duration of the book. And I'd love to just like hear from you that first breakup of going through it completely sober. What was that experience like? Like, I'm sure there were so many different times where you like hit your growth edge of like, oh, this is challenging and moved through it anyways. Yeah. So it was definitely unlike any breakup I had ever been through. And, you know, in addition to just stopping drinking alcohol, I went through a whole growth journey around that you know, and learning how to not reach for outside things to, you know, quell feelings of discomfort. So it wasn't even just not reaching for alcohol, but kind of over the course of it, I learned that it didn't work to reach for other men or shopping, or I kind of knocked all of those things off and took them off the table. So it really was a journey of going inward and accepting my feelings exactly where they were at and crying for you know days at a time going out and learning to have this balance of distracting myself versus you know taking the time to really sit and turn inward and it was a time for me that i think i finally was able to process not just the relationship that ended but all of my relationships that i had been through because i had never really been through that process of of processing where yeah. I learn, I learn, I finally like learned all these lessons that I think the universe was putting in front of me. And, you know, I feel like they'll be kept, like they keep getting put in front of me until I actually learn the lesson. So it was a tremendous period of growth. I feel like I grew more in that period than even my first couple years of sobriety. So it was really transformative for me to, to actually go through a breakup beginning to end and actually sit with feelings from beginning to end and not try to go around them or distract myself out of them. Yeah. I mean, the breakups that I've been through, alcohol was always in the picture for all of them. And I mean, I remember like going and getting like a whole bottle of like tequila or vodka and just drinking and like passing out and waking up and like gosh, I lived by myself. And I remember seeing like this hookah that my, my dad got me when I when he lived in the Middle East, like just like on the floor. It had like t- tipped over. The bottle was empty. Like there was, it was just, it was really sad. And like, I forgot about that until I cut alcohol out of my life. And so this whole idea of like processing and like things coming up, like once you are sober, it's it's so real. And you know, like even in like meditation, um, a lot of people that just begin a meditation practice, if they've had like a lot of trauma in their life, a lot of that bubbles up to the surface when we finally find that stillness. And so it is, it's, it's such a challenge, but it's so worth it to move through it because it is kind of like unearthing this, these things that have been stuck in us for so long. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for me, what I had to learn, and I actually didn't learn it till I got sober, kind of like what you mentioned is it didn't come up that when I'm drinking myself through a feeling, the feeling is still there and it'll come up later on. It's like, we're just stuffing it down. And you know, and for me, when I was drinking, I would stuff my emotions down and then it would come out in this huge meltdown because yeah. I didn't know how to really process my feelings. So, so learning how to cope with feelings without alcohol was, you know, 
a huge lesson. And I'm lucky kind of in the beginning of my sobriety, I didn't have anything major come up. So I was able to learn how to deal with them kind of piece by piece. And then, you know, this big breakup happened and it was kind of this huge test of like, okay, how are you going to deal with this this time? Mm, Yeah. I mean, so because your work now, it really was filling that void that you didn't have at the beginning. What were the tools that you used then? Like, how did you sit with yourself? How did you kind of pull yourself away from reaching for things like shopping or um, distracting yourself in more of those like vices? Yeah. So I am so lucky that I have a lot of women in my life that I look to as mentors. And I got to this, you know, we talk about in sobriety, this gift of desperation. And I definitely had that gift of desperation after the breakup. So I would call women that I was maybe just acquaintances with who I know went through a divorce. And I asked them to go to coffee with me and just hear their process. And one of the best things I was told was that I needed to just do whatever felt right to me at the time. So if I was angry, like scream into a pillow. If I was sad, take the time to cry. If I felt like I needed to distract myself, you know, do that for a period of time. But I think the biggest tool through all of that was a journal. And I always mm-hmm. say, like, if you had to pick one tool to get through a breakup, I believe it should be a journal. And I journaled every single day for probably six months after the breakup. And that allowed me to actually process my feelings, be honest with my feelings, because I feel like even when we're talking to other people, we can kind of fall into this story that we have for ourselves. So really getting honest with myself on paper. And I did a lot of just acknowledging the feelings. So why am I angry at my ex? And then What's my part in the breakup? What have I learned? What did I like about this last relationship? What do I want to change in the future? So a journal was it was a huge part of that. And also, you know, finding some new hobbies for myself. I know that's a big one that I did. And being of service is actually another huge one that I that I learned. And it it gets me out of my own head, you know, and it helps me see things from a different perspective. So I always recommend finding any way you can be of service, whether that's just writing a little text to a friend saying what you appreciate about them or maybe on a larger scale of volunteering. So those are kind of the big tools that I used in the beginning of the breakup. And I also would have this... I have this cry playlist on my Spotify. And if I was feeling really pent up... So I I started learning that if I'm feeling incredibly anxious that it typically means I need to cry. So I would get in the car, I would put on this cry playlist and I would just bawl. And it was, mm-hmm. and I learned that it's okay to cry. I learned how big of a release that was because the anxiety would go away. So I really, so someone told me that every breakup comes with a certain amount of tears and they're going to have to come out at some point. Yeah. So learning like how to release those in the moment instead of a year from now when something triggers it and they mm-hmm. all come out. Yeah, yeah. Uh- I love that. And I now I'm like, damn, last week I probably should have, should have had a good cry. Actually, I did have a really good cry, but um, you know, I just being pent up at home um, had all of this anxiety coming up. And I'm definitely like, I don't know if you follow human design, I'm a projector. And so I just like take in every... Okay. So <laughs> I don't know I if you're too. taking in everyone's yeah. energy right now, but I'm just like, whoa, this is, <laughs> this is intense. Um, but I just like, 
kind of just continued distracting myself and would go on my cell phone and just like not really... Uh, I would take like a piece of selenite and put it on my chest and breathe for a little bit or read my book, but it wasn't going away. And you know what? Now that I think about it, the next day, halfway through the day, I ended up crying and crying really, really hard. And that's actually when it started going away. So that's so interesting. I love, I love that you have a cry playlist. I have like a breakup, like I'm a badass playlist, which always like makes me feel super pumped up. Even now when like, if Corey and I get in a fight, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna listen to my empowerment playlist. (laughs) Yeah. I always tell people they should have a cry playlist, kind of like an FU playlist of like, I'm doing better. And then just like a pump up playlist. I think those are all so important. And I had the same experience too. I ended up crying yesterday and it felt so good. And I think that's one thing I learned going through breakups. I always felt so uncomfortable crying, especially in front of other people. I think part of it because being a projector, I don't want to make someone else feel responsible for me or I don't want to make someone else feel uncomfortable. So I don't want to cry in front of them. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, a breakup's just you're going to cry when you're going to cry. And I talk about how I was in Vegas right after the breakup. My friends got me to go just you know, to, to distract. And I ended up crying like at a day club right in front of the <laughs> DJ, just sobbing. And I just learned like, it's going to come out when it's going to come out and that's okay. And it's yeah. actually incredibly releasing and healing. Yeah. That's epic. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, So one of the things that I kind of just shared is like that distraction of social media. And I think that that can go in so many different ways. One, just like numbing ourselves and like gluing ourselves to our phone, but also like looking at our ex's stuff. What do you suggest for moving through a breakup in that fashion and like not, not just like automatically grabbing for our phone or checking in on our on our ex-partner um, all the time to see like what they're doing and what their life is like. Cause I feel like the times that I have done that in breakups, it just drives me wild. And yet it's like this like addiction to see what they're doing. And I know that I have girlfriends that are like dating guys on dating apps and like the dating apps update you on like when they were last on or what part of town they're in. And, and so it's like this like obsessive accessibility to other people that really wasn't around 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Yeah. So I always say that when we're going through a breakup, we're going to be thinking about our ex all the time, no matter what, you know, we're all like, everything's going to remind us of them. So I'm a firm proponent of taking away that distraction or that temptation, however possible. So I get this question a ton about the social media thing. So I always say the end goal should be to block that person not even, and I don't say like for forever, but just for right now to avoid the temptation. But I also realize most people won't do that in the beginning. So the first thing I just tell people is to unfollow because that way you can look, but it's on your time. You're not going to be in your newsfeed and just be blindsided by you know that person. And we have the mute feature on Instagram. So you're not you know, because I tried to do that. I, I stayed friends with my ex on Facebook and he never posted ever. And then all of a sudden, after our breakup, I was on social media and it came up and I just lost it because I wasn't prepared to see that. So, so I always tell people it's, I use the term emotional cutting and it's this, you know, and that's what we do when we're looking at our ex's social media because we know it's going to hurt because. You know, I think we have this thing where we want our ex to feel as sad as we do. And 
So we'll look at social media and say, oh, they're not even sad. They're not, they're going out, they're having fun. But first of all, they're not going to post a crying picture on social media. And we really have no idea. And it's not going to help to know how they're coping with the breakup because it's typically never going to match our expectations. So I always recommend don't look as much as possible. But if you do, don't beat yourself up over it because we're already feeling bad. The last thing we want to do is shame ourselves. So I always tell people, if you look, or this applies to if you you know, end up texting your ex or contacting them, really use it as a reflection exercise. So how did it make you feel? Did you feel better about yourself or worse about yourself? And then how can you change that behavior for the next time? So mm-hmm. I'm really firm on not shaming ourselves in any way during breakups and really using everything as a learning tool. Yeah, I love that. I mean, because it is it is a great learning tool because you can ask yourself, like, what is this triggering in me right now? Is it this feeling that I'm not enough? Is it like, is this not triggering anything in me at all? And that's great. Um, you know, what I think it's always just asking those questions to get to the bottom of our feelings is so important to just like bring awareness to it. Yeah. And I also ask people to look back on what they were feeling before they looked. So Mm. were you feeling uncomfortable? Were you feeling lonely? Were you bored? You know, and looking at what was, what were we missing before we reached to look? And then how can we use another tool? So if you were lonely, maybe call a friend instead. If you were bored, you know, do some, like go out and do something, go for a walk. So really learning as what was the preceding emotion and then how can we fill that with a you know a healthier coping tool. Mm, yeah, I love that. What is like the response that you receive from the women that you work with when they go through these processes? Are they just like totally blown away that they haven't like taken the time to like really dig in in these ways? Yeah, I think yes, I definitely think that people are very amazed at what it can look like when they go through a breakup in in kind of this different way. And my favorite is getting, you know, success stories of people saying, I finally blocked my ex. I realized it was making me feel XYZ. Mm-hmm. And so I finally realized I'm not getting what I need from this. So I'm going to block. So I love hearing those kind of stories or when people have insights. I talk a lot in my course about patterns. So when people finally realize like, oh, the reason... So like for me personally, I realized I went through this series of dating emotionally unavailable men because I didn't feel worthy of having someone love me who was available. So when people have those kinds of insights, then they can break themselves out of this pattern for their future relationships. Mm, Yes. That's so powerful. So what is like that process then of like after they... So for me as well, like it was emotionally unavailable men. Um, It was narcissistic men. It was men that would cheat on me. And so when I had ended those really I hadn't ended them when <laughs> they had ended those relationships with me. <laughs> I hadn't really I didn't really have the vocabulary or the awareness to have this type of reflection. I was still, you know, before Corey and I met, I was like 22 years old still and I hadn't really gone into the wellness world yet and or any sort of like personal development. So it's like now I realize this and now I have the tools available for me to notice and like be that sense of support and that sense of like filling, 
for myself versus looking outside of myself. Like I know how to make myself feel worthy now. I know how to like love on myself. I didn't know how to do that back then. And so what are like the what are the tools that women can use to bring that sense of worthiness in or bring that sense of self back after a breakup? Yeah. So that's such a good question. And I use this example of before I got sober, I had this thing in my head that like once I turned 30, I would automatically get self-esteem. I don't know why. I just thought that like at 30 years old, you like grow up and you get self-esteem because I never had it. And I was told that we build self-esteem by doing esteemable acts. And one of the biggest esteemable acts we can do is taking care of ourselves. So there are so many different tools and I think it depends on the person of what they're lacking. But things like... I think things like being able to put up boundaries with either your ex or you know certain family members or friends. So drawing boundaries is a huge act of self-love and that'll raise our self-worth. Uh, getting to know ourselves and learning what we liked. So I went through life for most of it as a chameleon and I would change how I dressed, what I liked, what I, you know, I went to churches that I wouldn't have normally gone to to match my partner and wanting to appease them. So learning, like getting really firm on what we like, whether that's, you know, our favorite color or what kind of flowers do we like? Where do we like to go out to eat? So learning all of those things and getting comfortable and standing in that, I think is a huge way to to gain our self-worth. And then, you know, doing things like making a list of ideals that we want in a partner and and sticking by those. So mm-hmm. if someone comes into our life that, you know, breaks one of our non-negotiables, like we walk away. So so there's a huge so I I always say like my entire course is really meant for that in in getting to look at how do we increase our self-worth and breaking some of those beliefs of you know my partner is my other half it's like I just believe that we but we need to be two whole and complete people coming together and mm-hmm. and building a partnership instead of you know searching for someone that's going to complete me yeah. and i also think going through a breakup in a healthy way was probably the biggest thing that raised my self esteem because i learned that i could be okay on my own and i learned that i could be happy on my own so that raised the bar for me of anyone that comes into my life has got a raise that bar instead of, you know, be below it because I'm happy on my own. So you'd better just add to my happiness instead of, you know, being the substitute for it. Mm, Yeah. I think that that's so powerful. And I love what you shared. Like self-esteem is built through esteemable acts. I've never heard that before. And it makes so much sense. What about just like having the strength to walk away from a relationship? If you know that you are, you know, your partner isn't right for you or you know the relationship isn't isn't what you see long term you know i think that we often feel that we can only walk away from a relationship if something is done wrongly to us but that's not like the case i think that that's only just like the societal belief that we have from like movie movies and stuff that tell us that oh, only if he cheats or only if there's some huge you know, betrayal that you can walk away. And I think that now as women, as I think we're rising into our power more than ever right now, um, that we can choose to walk away, but it's like still that 
conditioning of needing to have the strength there to do so. And that fear that maybe you might not find someone else as great as your partner or, um, you know, the whole thing about like them, them being your other half. So what, what are you, like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think this is such a important topic because I have, you know, from starting at 18, I was in a relationship with someone who was very emotionally and verbally abusive. And I was with him for, for almost three years. And so I've, you know, had, had the experience of walking away from that, which, you know, even I think if someone hasn't been through that, it's it's easy to look at someone and say, why don't they just leave that relationship? And it's like there's so many different mind games that are played around in that. You know, I was told that I would never find someone better than him. And so I had those beliefs pretty much already in my head. And then I had someone affirming those beliefs to me. So I've I've had the experience of walking away from that. I've also had the experience of walking away from just a mediocre relationship where nothing was wrong. He was a super nice guy, but I found myself every single morning almost having to pump myself up to be in that relationship. Like, this is okay. It'll get better. You know, he's a nice guy. I shouldn't walk away. And so I think for either of those cases, it's a matter of changing our belief system and. I think surrendering to the fact that it's going to be really uncomfortable to walk away and just knowing that and saying, okay, this is going to be uncomfortable for a little while, but it's going to pass and I'm going to be able to find something better in the future. And, you know, kind of acting as if, like, even if we don't believe we'll find something better, just having that in the back of our head and proceeding as if that's true. Mm -hmm. So I think affirmations are a big like play a big piece in that and just tell, you know, continuing to tell yourself, I deserve a very happy and fulfilling relationship. So I think that can help change our beliefs. And I think too, as you know, in my experience, and I think a lot of women go through this is we feel responsible for other people's feelings. And so we don't want to hurt someone else. So we'd rather be the one that gets dumped than the one that, you know, initiates the breakup. And I remember going through a breakup and I was so afraid of hurting this guy's feelings because he was so nice. And I remember I was talking to a mentor of mine and she said, Kendra, you don't have that kind of power. You don't have the power to ruin someone's life. If they decide to do that, that is of their own making. So just realizing that people, like everyone can figure it out. It's like, we're not responsible for ruining someone's life, but we have to, you know, be selfish in a lot of ways sometimes and have that courage to walk away. And I think the biggest thing too, is going to be trusting your own voice, trusting your gut. If you know the relationship's not right, listen to that because it typically is telling you the truth and our brain's the one that gets in the way. So listening to your gut, um, changing your belief systems. And then knowing that if you hurt someone's feelings, that's okay. You're not a bad person for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think... Go ahead. I was just going to say, you're actually being doing someone a disservice of staying with them because you can't be in a... like. I don't think bad relationships can survive in the long term. So set that person free, you know, allow yeah. them to find their soulmate because they, they will have one. So, um, so allowing people to have that process of their own. Yeah. I think 
it, that's why it's so important to have practices of, you know, stillness for ourselves where we do tune into our intuition and listen to our gut ahead of time besides just like jumping into this and like asking ourselves, um, you know, like what's the right, what's the right move to make? Because it's like obviously an emotionally heightened situation. And so if we haven't created any time of stillness for ourselves, sometimes it's a lot harder to hear our intuition and know and discern between what is our mind or what is our hearts. And I've found that in my life, if I'm not taking time to be still, not taking time to listen, then it becomes a lot harder for me to actually know which is which and what's the right decision to make. And I think a lot of people can resonate with that. Yeah, I I would 100% agree. And and I don't think I had that practice for a long time. So I think you kind of alluded to it, but I would stay in relationships where they were clearly not right. And it would, it would still take the other guy, the guy to break up with me. Even, you know, I was in a relationship with a guy who very clearly said he didn't want to get married or have kids, which has been something that's always very important to me. And I still stayed. I thought I would either adjust and just get used to not wanting to be married or have kids or he would change. And finally, he had to say, this isn't fair to either of us and we need to end it. So I would stay in those things for so long because I didn't have that practice of, of getting quiet and listening to my intuition and knowing what I deserve. Mm. Are there tools or like things that you recommend for women that are getting into new relationships. So we are being honest with ourselves and our partners about what we want and not, not necessarily wasting any time, but, you know, just going into it on the same page of like what the other is expecting from the relationship and wants from the relationship. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things I would recommend. I mean, not on the first date, not on the first date, but I think it is really important to Get I, you know when we're eighteen, it's different. We don't need to ask like, what are your plans for for marriage and kids? But you know, I think as we get older, I think it's totally okay to in the beginning at least get that because it you know I don't think we want to waste people's time, and I think it's important to say I want to get married at some point. Like not necessarily to you, but just that's something that I want, and I want to be able to have kids. So I think. I think it's important to be upfront with that kind of stuff. And I always hear that people, you know, they'll ask, when do I define the relationship? I don't want to put pressure on the other person or send them away. And I always say, like, if they're going to be scared away, they're probably person. And if you feel like you want a different relationship, it's probably time to. I, th- I see women wait, you know, sometimes a year before they you know, define the relationship. And then at the end, they have to end it because it's not what they expected. So I think being upfront with that. And then I think too, showing your true self in the beginning, I was, you know, we, we want to like, you know, impress the other person and all of that, but I would hide myself from the beginning of relationships. And then I would end up resenting the other person because in my mind, I thought they wanted to change me when the other, like, in reality, they had no idea who I was because yeah. I wasn't being my true authentic self from the beginning. Yeah, I definitely can resonate with that because there have been so many times where I'm like, I'm just putting on the cool girl. Like that's that's who I am. And um, you know, like I'm a guy's girl. And then over time I'm like, mm, like I don't want to put like continue doing this. I don't want to keep this up anymore. And you know, obviously none of those relationships worked out. I'm curious 
do you like have any suggestions or any like recommendations for women jumping back into relationships? Like, do you, is there like a good amount of time to wait and be single um, before like getting back together with somebody else? I think that the time that we spend on our own is so important. And I see a lot of actually both men and women, probably more men now that I think about it, like in my life um, and my family and stuff that will just, just jump like right back into relationships. And I'm just like, Ooh, but did you heal? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a tricky question. I wish, you know, I get that one. And then how long until I don't feel like this anymore. Like people want an exact amount of months until they're not in pain. And I wish I could give a magic number, but I'd say it again goes back to being in touch with yourself. Um, I think if you are turning to dating and a new relationship to get out of feelings of discomfort, I'd say you're probably jumping in too quickly. On the other hand, if you are not dating to because you are scared and feel like you're never going to trust again, you might be waiting too long. So it's kind of finding that balance of when does it feel okay? And I think to a lot of people will think they're not ready to date again because they'll say, oh, I'm just comparing every guy I date to my ex. Mm -hmm. That's going to be normal. No matter how long it's been, you're going to compare who you're dating to the last relationship you were in. I think that's part of the human condition. So I mean, I don't think a month is... I think a month is way too short. I, you know, For me, I stayed single for eight months and I thought that was a really good amount of time because I learned... I think you really need to learn how to be okay being single yeah. and, and, and enjoy it to the point where dating someone is just going to add to yeah. it. So if you're you know, like, oh, I don't want to be single anymore. I just need to find a relationship. That's, I think that's way too soon. So, so again, it's like, you really just need to tune into yourself and, and realize when you're okay being single, I think that's a good time to, to start exploring dating. Mm. So question for you, and this is kind of like a selfish question. Um, but so the relationship, the serious relationship that I had before Corey immediately after I like jumped into another bed with another guy. And, um, that probably lasted like three weeks. And, um, and so there was maybe like a six month, seven month chunk where I was like dating and seeing other people before I met Corey and started like exclusively dating him. And one of the things that has been coming up for me is like, did I actually give myself enough time? And now that I have all of these tools, did I give myself enough time to really heal? And so for other women that maybe are in a similar boat as me, that are in relationships, they're happy, um, but didn't necessarily take that time to be okay alone. Um, You know, I found that traveling by myself was a very healing experience. Do you have any other suggestions or work with any women that are in relationships that are kind of searching for that independence and that feeling of okay, but not looking to actually leave the relationship? Yeah. And actually I can speak to this because I've gone through this in in my relationship and kind of a backstory. So my current, and this is kind of a plot twist, but my current husband, my husband is the guy that caused that horrendous breakup five years ago. So he broke up with me. We were apart for a year and a half where we didn't talk, didn't see each other. It was like a complete separation. And 
over a year and a half later, he came back into my life and we ended up starting a relationship again. And the reason I don't typically lead with that is because I never want to give someone false hope of getting back together with an ex because I realize it's more of it's more of the exception yeah. to the rule. But Luke and I both went through very individualized healing processes and we changed a lot and matured a lot. And when we got back together, it was kind of like being in a new relationship because all of a sudden I could draw boundaries. I could say what I liked and what I didn't like. So I had to kind of go through changing. You know, I was a very codependent person in our first leg of our relationship. So learning how to not go back into that. So I think for me, going out, like I always dedicate a full day on the weekends to go out and do my own thing where I don't make plans with my husband at all. Um, I go out, go for a walk by myself or I go meet up with friends. So I, I always dedicate at least one day each weekend to do that. And that's helped a ton as someone I would probably consider myself a recovering codependent. Um, and, and I think regularly talking to other people and not just laying that all on your partner. So learning how to process things with other people so you're not solely relying on them. I think traveling by yourself is huge. Um, I did a post this year on how I never used to go on trips without my partner because I had this thing where I thought they would leave or they would cheat on me. And I was so insecure that I would never step out and go on a trip. And I've done a lot of that the last couple of years. And I also had a trauma that happened in high school that I kind of just started addressing about two years ago. And so I've had to learn how to heal that while being in a relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's just taken a lot of communication and patience on the end of my partner and, and kind of bringing him into the healing process enough where he understands it, but also not making him responsible yeah. for, for how I feel. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's really important to have... I call a picket fence of people that you can go to that are not your partner. I think that helps a lot. So you're not solely relying on them and then pushing yourself to to go out and do things on your own. Mm, yeah. I love that so much. I definitely want to start doing like a weekly day on my own and just like having that space for myself. For anyone listening that maybe doesn't have that picket fence, how can we start to kind of like bridge that and, you know, be mindful that we're not like unloading on a brand new person, um, but also create those relationships where we can also hold space for that person as well? Yeah, I, this is actually one of my favorite topics is, you know, it's, it's not as easy to make friendships as adults, but it's totally possible. So my, um, my grandma, her thing was always the best way to make a friend is to share a secret or ask for a favor. So, you know, if you have friendships that are strong, but maybe you don't have that relationship where you can share those really deep things with them. I think a great way to start is, you know, kind of asking them questions about themselves. So it does seem like reciprocal. So you're not just calling them and, and dumping. My friends and I have a thing where we ask, like, hey, can I call you and like and share something with you? Like, kind of do you have the capacity to handle that mm -hmm. right now? And I also think being mindful of you know, if you have a friend that every time you're on the phone with them, you only talk about yourself, you know, pushing yourself to ask what's going on with them and, and what's new with them, I think is really important. And then too, you know, like cultivating new friendships, I think is, is really important. And some of the best 
some of my best friends I made during this time of my breakup. So, you know, going out and doing things that you like doing, I think that's how you're going to meet like-minded people. So if you are into yoga, you know, stick around afterward after a yoga class and talk to people or get there early. Or if your yoga studio is putting on a workshop or a retreat, like go there and connect with people who you who like what you like. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, it's going to take getting out of your comfort zone as well. And I always like to talk about the awkward first girl date. So if there's someone that you like and that you connect with, like ask them to go to coffee and just kind of learn, like start getting to know each other and, and then let that relationship, you know, blossom. And I also think people mirror. So I always, I, I know that like people tend to disclose a lot to me. And I think it's because I share some, you know, I'm, I'm very open and I like to share things vulnerably. And I think that's reciprocated with the right people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I think that, you know, even though it is uncomfortable, there's nothing really comfortable about any of the experience overall. And so it's, if you, if it means that getting outside of your comfort zone for a moment to actually become closer to somebody, um, that's, amazing. That's perfect. You want those people in your life, especially if they're um, able and have the capacity to hold space for you and vice versa. So one of the things that I experienced maybe like two years ago is before... Before Corey and I got married, but I had done this like really intense healing session and I had all of these feelings and, vi and visuals come up about one of my exes from high school, um, who I would say was like probably my first love. And so I went back and forth with like, oh my gosh, should I contact him? Should I not contact him? And it was almost like this closure that I was seeking. And in the end, I ended up um, not contacting him and actually just like going into a meditation and like contacting him through <laughs> my meditation practice. And so I'm curious, like your perspective on closure and um, whether it's necessary that we actually have that like confrontational closure or if you have like some sort of ritual where you actually don't have to make contact with the person in order to receive that closure. Yeah, it's such a good question. I actually just wrote something on this with closure, but I think I find so many people make their breakups last so much longer on this quest for closure, you know? And I think when most people talk about this closure that they want, it's, you know, say they got broken up with and they just, you know, the person said, I just don't think this is the right fit. And I think the closure that they want is they want to know exactly why they got broken up with, typically because they want to change so that way they can fit back into the relationship. So I think a lot of times people are seeking closure because they want to get back together. Um, and I think the best closure is closure we give ourselves. So I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the confrontational kind of closure. I think that's something that we need to give ourselves and accept that we don't exactly know why the relationship ended. But I always tell people, accept that at some point in the future you will know exactly why it ended. You will be so grateful for it. It will be a huge blessing in disguise. And an exercise I have people go through is I ask them to think about past exes and imagine your life if you were married to them. And typically it's like, oh, no, no, no. Don't want to, no. <laughs> so it's a good way to remember that the universe is bringing exactly who is supposed to be in your life. And remembering that at some point, this ex will be one of those people where you'll, you'll say, thank goodness, I'm not, I'm not with them. Mm 
And in terms of closure with, you know, past exes, I have done quite a few of, of these and I will write letters to them. And typically the letter that I will write to them is a letter of forgiveness slash an amends. So I will write out, you know, what I felt like my part was in the ending of the relationship so I can own that. And that helps me recognize and change it for the future. And then I think forgiving the other person. I think once you can get to a point of forgiving the other person and being, you know, hoping that they find exactly what will make them happy, I think that's a huge part of closure. So I think almost with every ex I've written out, a forgiveness letter and just said like I forgive you know anything that happened and I'm really grateful that you taught me x y and z and learning how to be grateful for the things that they taught you or brought into your life so but yeah and I I always recommend read that letter to someone else so that way you're putting it out there and then you know shutting the door Mm, I love that so much. And I was thinking the entire time, it's like, what did this, what did this person teach me? Like, how am I growing from this relationship? And I've been saying this a lot on the podcast just because I have been going through lots of different growth spurts in my own life. But it's like every single opportunity is a space for us to grow. And like every single experience that we go through, we can grow from. And if we can look at it in that space and just say, you know what, like, yes, this is painful. This hurts. And, you know, I did love this person or I did enjoy my time with this person, but I'm so grateful that they taught me X, Y, and Z because now I am a better person. And now I can show up even fuller and I can give my heart to someone who deserves it and who's going to cherish my heart even more. Yeah. And I'm such a big believer that everything we go through is either a gift or a lesson and we can take a gift or a lesson and probably and a lesson from every person that we've ever had relationships with. And that way we can leave it with a sense of gratitude and a sense of forgiveness. And I also always recommend that people write a letter of forgiveness to themselves. So forgiving yourself for, you know, for me when I was in that abusive relationship, I didn't heal for so long because I carried so much shame for not seeing the signs and not stepping away when I was supposed to. And that kept me sick for a long time. And so I finally had to forgive myself and thank him for what he did give me, forgive myself and forgive him. And once I remember I... So this was like probably two years after the relationship. Every time I heard like thought about his name, I got like like hot on the inside from being so angry and so full of yeah just anger at him and i read like a morning reflection one morning and it was talking about forgiveness and and kind of owning our part and i swear it was like all of a sudden i was just struck with this oh my goodness and i wrote this letter out to him and i swear it was like released mm-hmm. from that point and i haven't felt that you know that anger in since that point. So I think forgiveness of ourselves and of our exes is is huge in closure. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I was shared that was shared with me is like it's just understanding that everyone is operating from their own set of beliefs, their own experiences, and they don't know any better. You know, we're all just doing the best that we can. And if you can understand that they are only acting out of what they know to be true, then we can... It it makes bridging the gap between anger and forgiveness a little bit more accessible. Yeah. And I'm actually... I was recently working with someone who... You know, her... She was broken up with and 
he's acting in a way that the relationship doesn't seem like a big deal. And I'm trying, you know, I'm telling her like, he's healing the best way he knows how. And Mm -hmm. it probably doesn't look like what you're doing. And it probably doesn't look like what you want to see out of him. But you have to trust that he's probably going through his own thing in the exact way that he is capable of handling it. So it's Mm -hmm. like people deal with you know, that was something my dad always said, like everyone's doing the best they can with their current thinking. And we have to like cut people slack for that. And just know that sometimes in relationships, if someone is doing something that we don't like, it doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means that maybe they're not the right person for us. Mm, Yes, 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 yes. I totally agree. Okay. So really quickly, what are your three favorite breakup tools? Okay. Journal, uh, friends, so being around supportive people and, oh, let's see if I had to pick another th- a third one. I'd say finding like finding a new hobby, find, I mean, finding yourself. So finding a new hobby, I'd say that's like a good start trying something it. new. Yes, yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, Kendra, I'm so happy that we were able to do this. I feel like there's so many takeaways that I have to make myself feel even more badass and more empowered. So for those of of um, those of us listening that want to experience you even further, how can we work with you? How can we support you? And where can we find you? Yeah. So on Instagram, I am at your breakup bestie. And I always tell people I answer every single DM. So whether you have a question, you need support, you just need a place to vent, please message me on there. And you can find my blog and my course at breakupbestie.com. Awesome. And you have a podcast coming out soon too. So when can we expect that coming out? So that'll be launching April 1st and it is the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. Yes. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for coming on, babe. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. 